What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Dad rock usually isn't a term of affection, but for Jeff Tweedy of Wilco, the phrase is spot on. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. Jeff Tweedy teams up with his son, drummer Spencer, for a new project called Tweedy. They join us for a special live performance and candid conversation about rock and roll and family. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and we're going to be talking to Jeff Tweedy, the leader of Wilco, about his new band, Tweedy, in a minute. Greg, this is a band you have a lot of history with. You wrote the biography of Wilco, Learning How to Die. It's always a weird thing when you spend that much time with a group, when you talk to their parents and everyone in their family. There's a certain level of intimacy that brings you close, but also results in some awkwardness. And it was, you know, here we are with Jeff, his son, his wife, Sue Miller, who used to own the club right up the street from where we were taping live, lounge acts. It was kind of a family reunion, including you. Yeah, it was interesting because it was the first in-depth discussion I've had with Jeff, believe it or not, since the book was published 10 years ago. So there Mm. was some weirdness beforehand wondering, how is this going to go? And, uh, you know, I think the results speak for themselves. It was a great evening for all of us, I think, in a lot of ways. I think people enjoy hearing that. But first, we have some music news. If you have an iTunes account, there is a very good chance that you have heard that song. Even if you don't have an iTunes account, you've probably heard it. That is the miracle, in parentheses, of Joey Ramone by that band U2 out of Ireland. Been around for a few decades. Perhaps you've heard of them, (laughs) self-proclaimed biggest band in the world. They just negotiated a deal with Apple to make its new album, Songs of Innocence, its first in five years, free to Apple customers, all 500 million of them. One morning you wake up and there's Bono and company sitting in your iTunes library. They're putting their feet up on the couch and they're saying, hey, we're going to stick around here for a while if you want us for free. Now, a lot of angles to this story, Jim. Why, first of all, would you two do this? Well, there's 100 million good reasons for it because Apple's paying them that much to distribute this album. That's a pretty good deal. That's more than they would have made selling the record, right? Without a doubt. I mean, in this day of declining record sales, I think U2 makes out handsomely on the revenue front by basically taking $100 million of Apple's money to distribute the record this way. They're going to sell a lot more. Their other stated mission, as I said earlier, tongue-in-cheek, a biggest band in the world, well, that's the way they've always envisioned themselves. They figure it's not even worth doing unless we can be extremely popular and reach as many people as possible with our music. They thought this was the most effective way 
of doing this by aligning themselves with the coolest, albeit biggest, high-tech company out there in the world in some ways and putting out a record with their distribution and marketing muscle behind it. So it works out on a number of levels for you, too, in terms of getting their music out. But, Jim, there's a downside to this as well. Yeah, there have been pros and cons. Let's go to the pros for Bono and Company first. Amazingly, after this free gift of this new album to 500 million people, a lot of people are now paying for U2 music again. Within days of this free gift, 24 of the band's titles had reached the top 200 on the uh, online iTunes chart, and the singles collection, U2 18, was back in the top 10. The Joshua Tree, that's Mm -hmm. ancient, right? From 1987, Octung Baby from 91, War from 83, all were in the top 50 again. So people have been prompted to buy U2 music anew after getting the gift of U2 music for free. But I noticed a really interesting generational divide, Greg. I was talking about the U2 album to my students at Columbia College, 20-somethings, right? They didn't want anybody putting their hands in their iTunes, right? iTunes is where I order my music or purchase my music. And, you know, coming on the heels of Apple's scandal with sexy pictures in the cloud being uh, hacked of celebrities, you know, it's kind of like a reminder that Big Brother can just reach out. Right. And my students were telling me, we didn't want this. We didn't ask for this. It's why spam. Did, why did we get it? It's like spam. So Apple has put out, in response to this negative backlash, has put out a tool that will make <laughs> removing you 2 from your cloud, from your hard drive, easier. And then if you remove it, it's for good. You can't have it again unless mm. you pay for it, right? There have been times, I've been a U2 fan at times, and there have been times when I wished I could remove U2 with one <laughs> click from my life. We'll talk about this album next week. But first, we want to know what you think of U2's free delivery, this gift of music. Give us a call, 888-859-1800. Listening to Sound Opinions, and that's a song called I'll Sing It by a new band called Tweety. Music fans, of course, know the name from Wilco and Uncle Tupelo. That'd be the singer and guitarist Jeff Tweety. But Tweety also refers to his son, Spencer, 18 years old, a drummer in the Chicago music scene for a number of years in a band called The Blisters, and now he's graduated to the big time as the band's drummer. And that's not really shocking when you consider the pedigree of Jeff Tweedy. I mean, he's been a rock star here for close to 20 years. And Spencer's mother, Sue Miller, has also been a Chicago music mainstay. She co-owned that famous rock club Lounge X for many years here. We were excited to have both Jeff and Spencer, as well as Jim Elkington on guitar, Liam Cunningham on keyboards, and Darren Gray on bass at a special recording of Sound Opinions Live, supported by Goose Island Beer in front of an audience at Chicago's Lincoln Hall, just a few doors down from those old stomping grounds of Lounge Acts. You can check out all of the live performances at soundopinions.org. We also had a candid conversation with the Tweedy gentleman about the new album, what it's like to tour and perform with your dad, and how the family's been coping with Sue Miller's battle with lymphoma. 
We began by asking Jeff why he needed this outlet outside of Wilco, and what made up the new Tweety album Suki Ray's 20 songs. Well, first of all, I wrote a lot more than 20 songs. There were, there were lots and lots of songs that I've been messing around with in the studio. Uh, Spencer played drums on the last Mavis Staples record, and we had a good time doing that, and I wrote some songs for her. And uh, everybody in Wilco's always been really active outside of the band and busy doing other stuff. And I, oddly enough, have kind of turned out to be the only guy that hasn't made a record without a committee <laughs> in the in the whole band, you know. So I thought it would be fun to keep doing what I had been doing, you know, kind of making these tracks for Mavis and get started on who knows what it was, you know, I don't know. At, at first I think there was the idea I could make a solo record, who knows, maybe at some point I would like get cold feet and, and they would be Wilco demos or something. But as we got rolling it started to feel like it had its own energy, its own thing and and uh, just kept doing it. Well, you mentioned working with Mavis Staples, One True Vine record. It was basically you and Spencer. How did that come about, that Spencer w- was your choice as the drummer on that record? Well, Mavis wanted to make a record that was very stripped down. When uh, the first record, You're Not Alone, came out, we did a few things together promotionally where I would just play the acoustic guitar and she would sing, and she liked the way that felt, and... I think that was the starting point for the second record, is that we make an acoustic record. And Spencer was on spring break, and some of the, <laughs> some of the songs sounded like they, I don't know, they just didn't feel like they were as complete as they should feel without fleshing them out a little bit. So I thought, Spencer's around, he'll play drums on some stuff, and I'll play it for Mavis and see how she feels about expanding the, the palette a little bit. And well, she does understand a thing or two about family members. Well, I think that that's something. That's one members. of the reasons that it really resonated with her, and she she was very very into the idea once she heard what was going on, and and so you know we worked on stuff a little bit without her before we started involving her in the process because it's just easier that way, and she was busy touring and wanted to get started. So yeah, so we had this stuff to play for her, and she was into it. Spencer. I just heard this a, a little while ago. Mavis Staples came to your bar mitzvah. Actually, she it was came my to little s- brother's bar mitzvah. Oh, Sammy, she bar came mitzvah. to Sammy's bar mitzvah, <clears throat> and she well, sang. That, she sang a song for him, which was that awesome. officially makes Sammy cooler than either of you <laughs> or anybody in the anybody universe. In That's the world, pretty true. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really special. Yeah. She's yeah. our grandma. She's our adopted grandma. There's something magical about that. When you've been yeah. hugged by that lady, mm-hmm. it's like you've you've been hugged by Grace. <laughs> well, it's yeah. an a- she's an angel. She is. Yeah. I mean, if a, an angel exists to make other people feel better, I don't know if, what an angel is yeah. other than that. And she yeah. is that. You know, Jeff, there's this term that neither Greg nor I, as fans, would ever use. But sometimes when people are being somewhat derogatory about Wilco, they say, Dad Rock. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> well, I guess now it means this, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the day that the news was announced, it was like a flood of tweets about it. Like, well, I guess we can really call it dead rock now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, like, very you know, clever. It's like Chief, Chief Keefe yeah. is a dad. You yeah, know? So what does that mean? It's not... Yeah, it's not like you know impressionism started as a derogatory like description yeah. of some art. So I don't yeah. think 
dad rock's going to turn around like that. I don't think it's going to become you can't revive it. You know, like, oh, my God, it. this is the coolest thing on earth, dad rock. Have you heard of it? Yeah. yeah. I'm really into dad rock, uh, you know, no, it's, some obscure it's, Japanese records. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm in a no-win situation anytime it comes up because yeah. it's, it's, it's abhorrent. It's ridiculous. I think ridiculous. usually I'm more yeah. offended by it than he is because I get really bitter about it when it's so dismissive. <laughs> He's yeah. so, so dismissive. He's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Like, He's such a sweet boy. It's all my oh. fault. That's right, what well, he says I, when he's on stage uh, with you. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I got to put Spencer on the spot here, though, because yeah. you're 18, right, Spencer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can remember, I can put myself in your 18-year-old shoes many, many decades, a century ago, actually. <laughs> um, in the and I don't think I could have worked on my dad in any context at that point. I loved my dad, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to have anything to do with him at that point. How did that work out for you? Well, I think we have a really close family, and it's been easy because... For pretty much my whole life, we've been jamming and recording songs and playing together in our basement and sort of growing together musically. So it was easy. And it's also like such an insane privilege for me, firstly, to be making a record with Mavis Staples, which was sort of the first project we did together, first big project we did together. I, I don't have a problem with it. We're just, <laughs> we're just hanging out. <laughs> He, he wants to be here, honest. <laughs> yeah. D- does he? I mean, it's really, it it's, truly is really, uh, it feels really great to we, play music together. I threatened to stop feeding him. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more, yeah. though, of, you know, there's, there's some, you know, some young women may be <laughs> attracted to your performance. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, you know, <laughs> afterwards. That's and, where your mind would go. <laughs> He's 18, well, Jeff. I got to remind you, it's, uh, I got to remind you, Dad Rock, like, the audiences are a little bit. Above my, oh. uh, now you know, I'm only 18. Not only am I offended, but everyone here is offended now. Yeah. Yes, we're getting yeah. into cougar territory so, here. Is that what uh, we're talking about? Yeah, Spencer, it's dangerous. It's very stop dangerous. digging. Stop <laughs> digging. This is this is really devolved here this, really quickly. This is, it? you know, I think that the that did come up in a discussion one time over dinner <laughs> <laughs> with the whole family, and I think that. The creepiest thing in the world would be for Spencer to get involved with someone who loves his dad. Yeah, a lot. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and this doesn't need to be like personal therapy session for me, but I've def- I mean, yes, that's, it does. That has been a, that is. I've come across that in high school. It's like very troubling. It's a troubling thing. You know, you've come come across what in high school? You know what? We're done. We're done what? with it. It's okay. <laughs> Here's Tweety performing Summer Noon from their new album, Suki Ray, live on Sound Opinions.
Summer Noon by Tweedy, live on Sound Opinions from Lincoln Hall in Chicago. We'll have more with Jeff and Spencer Tweedy in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And you can watch the entire set of music from our live show at Lincoln Hall via our website, soundopinions.org. Oh, my sorry you won't recognize me Born and bred to be led and be dead by degree I'm taking a moment to express my regret Before I forget how it goes As fast as our blood can crackle with blame Heroes arise to find our embrace too soon And piercing the place where even the moon will never dream to shine The deluge they're dreaming Sound Opinions is supported by Beats Music, a new music service offering curated playlists, personalized music recommendations, and access to over 20 million songs. Learn more about a 14-day trial of Beats at the App Store or at beatsmusic.com. Beats Music, the right music for right now. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And our guest this week is Tweedy, the first solo project from Wilco founder Jeff Tweedy. Jeff and his son Spencer, who plays drums for the band, 
joined us for a special live taping of Sound Opinions presented by Goose Island Beer at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. The new Tweety album is called Suki Ray, and we return to our conversation by asking Jeff and Spencer about that name. All of Susie's best friends call her Suki Ray, and her closest friends her whole life is have called her Suki Ray because when she was a teenage girl, she was in love with Peter Noon mm. of the Her- of Herman's, Herman's Hermits. And his sister is Suki Noon. And so she wanted to convince all of her friends that are to call her Suki Ray so that when she inevitably married Peter Noon <laughs> or came and, you know, at least got to meet him, she could say, hey, I'm yeah. Suki, and, you know, have something, an icebreaker. I think it was yeah, a, just, right. a, just a, a built-in icebreaker. We're just getting embarrassing stories about every member of the I Tweety family. I don't think that's family. embarrassing. I think that that's unbelievably sweet and adorable. Yeah. And so she, it's, so she would leave saying? me for him and, and still to this day. <laughs> you, you were the consolation prize. I was the you consolation were, you're prize. You're no Peter Noon, but I have no, Peter. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But it was the title that really felt like it clicked, you know? Cool. Okay, so Jeff, how did these songs seem like Tweety songs versus Wilco songs for Down the Road? I, I don't really, th- I, don't, I wasn't thinking like that. I don't ever think like that. I just, mm. I just make a bunch of stuff, and then whatever feels the most exciting that day in the studio, whether it's with Wilco or Lucifer or anything that I'm involved in. I, I, I don't think any of it is particularly great or, or, or terrible. It's just some stuff sounds exciting to me in a, in a, on a particular day. And, and, some, and some things, like you said, you wrote much, a lot more than 20 songs, and some of them got shelved. Mm. Some of them felt like it was apparent that they would work well with two people, like an arrangement yeah. of just pretty sparse yeah, it's really uh, looking around and seeing who's in the room, and it was just Spencer and I in the room. <laughs> I was in the room, you know. Uh, with with, <laughs> all with Wilco, I look around and and if there's a couple of guys that get excited about something that I'm presenting, then then you can usually develop enough momentum to get get it get it going. Mm. I think almost any of the songs in in, in reality probably could have been Wilco songs. Some maybe, you know, who knows? Uh, certainly the songs that didn't make it on the record, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure any of those could be on a Wilco record. They probably would be in a different key. I think that's the only <laughs> thing I would... You know, uh, there's something about playing with six people. You, it's so much, so much more sound happening. I tend to put Wilco songs in uh, key, keys that I sing louder. I don't mm-hmm. know. You can belt it. <laughs> yeah, it's just... The, I don't know. Ever since... AM, all of the AM songs are in keys where I was like, I'm mumbling because right, I was right. singing them on the couch, and then all of a sudden I'm in a recording studio, and, and, like, and then, then I had to figure out the hard way that they were very difficult to sing in front of big audiences like that. Hey, wake up, your eyes weren't open wide. What kind of input, Spencer, did uh, Dad give you on uh, your drumming? Well, we've been playing together for like for 18 years, I guess, so mm. 
Um, I feel like since Bray Bongo's on his (laughs) Susie's belly, so I think that we're like for the most part we're on the same page, and I think that I have influences that match up with the things that we were trying to accomplish in and recording. There were moments where I was asked to go in a certain direction, but for the most part, the majority of the songs came about sort of. There are, there are actually like a lot of one takers, a lot of Almost to brag. All of them. I would like to brag about that. I would brag about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of it, but it, we recorded a lot of the album live, just the two of us in playing together, and um, so it was just what we came up with in the moment. I, I can answer the question from my point of view. I, I gave him very little input. I don't know. There's a DNA connection, I guess. I don't know. It's a familial thing that, that I, I've never really experienced with any other musicians, even though I've played with guys that are great for you know long periods of time, develop musical communication that I feel is on a very high level and exciting. But it's, it's, it's different. From his point of view, he's probably been brainwashed and warped because <laughs> he's had to hear all of my music his whole life. And he's heard, yeah. mm-hmm. like, the record collection in our house is our record collection, mm-hmm. and, and he has his own records too. But we. But to great. answer your question, he wasn't nitpicky. There were maybe only a couple things that were specific input, and the rest was just sort of came together. Let's hear some of Spencer's drumming on the next song, Flowering, from Tweety, live on Sound Opinions. i 
Tweety with the new song, Flowering, live on Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and let's go back to our conversation with Wilco founder Jeff Tweedy and his son, Spencer. Here Jeff shares the scoop on when we can expect new Wilco music. I mean, we'll probably start on something pretty pretty soon. Preliminary recording for Wilco Records is always really, you know, it's just getting together and sounding bad, you know. <laughs> just like, <laughs> it's like kind of, I think the, the point of it is to just kind of, cleanse the palate or find something that doesn't sound like exactly like something we've done already i don't know it's it's i guess what it's just kind of messing around and and that's starting soon that'll start soon as far as when certain amount of a certain amount of momentum will build up and and it'll have a enough energy to to see it through to the end with local records are take a long time they're hard to do the six people there is a lot of there's an effort to make it something that everybody can sign off on and and be invested in and and you know excited about going out and playing a hundred something shows to to uh, present to the world and so yeah we have to we have to take our time and but yeah I think we'll probably have a record out next year there's enough there's no desire to get away from Wilco that's really not what's happening it's just uh, just, just for fun yeah I can appreciate though what you just said about two guys getting in a room and making music together, I could see why that would be a little bit more appealing at a certain point. Well, it's a lot easier. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a, I mean, and, and having said that, I've always been sort of amazed at how easily six guys can sit around in a circle and hammer out an arrangement without killing each other and, and have something come out musical. And, and so Wilco has a really amazing dynamic like that. Was that wrong? But it is six people, and it is, you know, six people finding a part even can be hard on a song, especially a really simple song, you know. But but that's the that's kind of the idea of Wilco, and that's kind of where it has grown to, you know, to be this thing that has these elements, and that's what we take our time trying to make work. Well, I think the, 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 the key thing that's pulling you away from this music thing is really the acting career. It's got the uh, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. It's I'm got the s- smell of a Justin Timberlake I'm so happy that you on. brought this up because <laughs> it, is, it is where yeah. my, my, heart, my heart is in. Yeah. Well, you've been definitely in Don't be surprised if you see him in a major motion picture next year. Do you know After something? You I don't know. Emmy. <laughs> After he gets the Emmy for what, which one do you think, uh, Spencer's Parks and Recreation or Portlandia? Which I don't do you know, think is more but worthy it seems like a... an EGOT is in the works for sure. It really took me a long time to find my motivation. <laughs> <laughs> What was the name of the band? Land Ho. Land Ho, yeah. That, that was my name, actually. They let me name the band. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, hi, my name's Andy, and this barfing lady over here is Leslie. We just need 10 minutes of your time. To do what? To convince you to reunite Land Ho. Listen, it means a lot to me that you guys love the band, and I'm going to tell you the exact same thing I've told everyone who's ever asked us to reunite. No. 
We are uh, live at Sound Opinions at Lincoln Hall talking to Jeff and Spencer Tweedy. Jeff, let's ask a couple of business questions because it seems like you're in an enviable place now. You know, Wilco's gotten to a place where you're big enough now that you're your own record company. You're your own support system. You know, you've got it all. You don't need labels anymore. And, I mean, I remember talking about this with you during the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot crisis, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and trying to find your way. But it seems like you guys are now pointing the way for a lot of bands. Well, thanks. I mean, I don't know if you can really point the way for anybody the way things are right now. I think everybody has to find their own, uh, navigate their own path through what they call the music business, but it's something very different than the music business that I started out in. But our goal for a very, very long time, even before the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot thing and our deals are dealing with Warner Brothers and w- was to be more self-sufficient than than other bands that we saw we felt like the lo- the goal is to be able to do this for a long time mm-hmm. and and it never occurred to me uh even when I was very young that somebody wouldn't think that way but there actually are bands I think there have been lots of bands that really want to get in and and make a buck and get out or something i don 't know it 's a crazy concept to me but yeah. but our 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 thoughts were always geared along the lines of like what what gives us the best shot at doing this for a long time and because of that, and because there was very little interest from the record labels <laughs> to begin with, <laughs> even when we had a major label record you know deal they we weren't priority material. We weren't the band that they were throwing tons and m- tons of money at. So that made our decisions a little easier, even. But but having said that, I think we could have made some different choices, and it wouldn't have been as beneficial to us in the long run. You know, there would have been things like taking more tour support, or mm-hmm. or um, I don't know, just uh, trying harder to make them happy when it wasn't going to make us happy. Well, I read an interview you did a year or two ago with the Sun-Times, and you were talking about you, you know, how you said, maybe I was too immature to feel like I wanted to be the boss for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I just came to the conclusion that that's not so bad. Yeah, I think that it took me a long time to, to grow up and it's realize that it's not very cool to be dumb <laughs> about anything. Any, I mean, but at the same time... You know, Tony and I, our manager, Tony Margarita, we've been working together since he was my manager at the record store I worked at in St. Yeah. Louis. So it's been the longest collaboration I have in my life has been with Tony. And, and I like to think that even before that was something I could internalize that was okay for me to be the boss, Tony and I kind of operated w- uh, with a bit of creativity on how we, how we ran the, our day-to-day operations and the business of it. And now that's something that's fully embraced, you know, like, hey, that's just another way to be creative. That's just another way to communicate with your audience, the, treat your audience like uh, collaborators or people that are invested in it too. And, and that's becoming much, much more fashionable, obviously. That's how, that seems to be the way forward for a lot of bands. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just look, look at it now like, every aspect of it from merchandise to touring to mm-hmm. your um, record label just try and have fun with it try and make it something that you're proud of how it how it's how you do it just proud proud of the whole operation you know recording too seems to be an aspect of this that's still uh important to you uh you know when you put out a 20 song album like you're about to with your 
with Tweety. Obviously, the, the long-form format still speaks to you, resonates to you, even though everybody's telling us it's, that's going away and people aren't listening to music that way anymore. Uh, do, do, you, do you see it a, a long lifespan for that way of approaching recording? I, I don't or? know. Are you, there was an audience here. Are you guys excited about a 20-song <laughs> record? <laughs> I mean... This is good. This is this is great. That's that's a lot of people. <laughs> when I that's when I started playing music. That's this is this audience is as big as I would have ever dreamed to to have to play to. And and there's a lot of people out there still that still care about records, still care about long form art forms and having patience to sit through something that's long. I think and the album's making a comeback for sure. <laughs> Even with music streaming as controversial as it is people are listening to full records i mean i know my friends and i are mm. oddly enough there's another reason to put out a 20 song record other than embracing the long form art form of making lps and that is we wanted to tour and it's much more fun to have 20 <laughs> yeah. songs to play <laughs> 10. than 10 yeah and that's that's really why boring. that's why it's two records it's yeah. really two records it's you know that's going to come on two discs they could have fit on one but it's it's kind of like being there i just like the idea of there being you know yeah, shorter shorter uh, portions here's another portion from tweety jeff tweety on guitar and vocals jim elkington on guitars liam cunningham on keyboards Darren Gray on bass, and Spencer Tweedy on drums. The song's called Low Key, and it's live on Sound Opinions. All right, let's go.
That was Low Key from the band Tweedy, live on Sound Opinions from Lincoln Hall in Chicago. Have a comment on Tweedy, Wilco, or even Dad Rock? Give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Coming up, we'll conclude our session with Jeff and Spencer Tweedy on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis with Greg Cott, and we're wrapping up our conversation with the new project from Jeff Tweedy of Wilco and his son, Spencer. They've dubbed themselves, appropriately, Tweedy. Jeff first appeared on the music scene with a band called Uncle Tupelo, playing besides Jay Farrar. When that band broke up, Farrar went on to Sunvolt, Tweedy went on to Wilco, and Wilco's been around now for 20 years, which is hard to believe. We asked Jeff about his expectations for Wilco and whether they've been fulfilled two decades on. could protect you from the blood in your own veins. No one could predict you would be taking you away. Well, when Uncle Tupelo broke up, they gave Jay Farrar and myself basically a, a do-over with the same record deal that <laughs> Uncle Tupelo had signed and only made one record for. So we ended up with these virtually identical deals with the idea that they would they were going to keep both of us as two birds in the hand is better you know whatever i don't know what their idea was but they were just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and they're going to see what sticks and this is an example of of making decisions based on wanting to do it a long time i think we negotiated at least make let us make two records they didn't want to just make one record so let us make two records and and give us a chance to make two records so but beyond that i really didn't know if that was ever if i was ever going to have a major label record deal for the rest of my life or anything like that i and you know there wasn't a lot of excitement about it they actually said to me when our record am came out 
this is great. This is going to be an amazing setup for Jay's record. <laughs> like for the Sun Volt record. That's the way they were looking at it. You know, like we were still like kind of helping each other out. And, the, and, you know, this is the Uncle Tupelo team working, working in tandem. You know, now we got two records. And th- that's the way it ended up being for them, actually. Because, you know, both things ended up doing pretty well and are well enough. You know, mm-hmm. Jay did a lot, lot better with the first record and, and than AM did. But and that kind of... I don't know. That seemed like the way they had it designed, or what they were what they were shooting for at that time. But but I didn't expect anything beyond that. <laughs> <What>? No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sour grapes. I don't like. No, I was, no. I, was, I, was, uh, I it, thought it. Uh, it's just great that you know that you have DBPM records and it all turned out the way it is today, which I think is kind of what you were asking about. Uh, do you have aspirations to get into music, Spencer? Do you want to, you know, you, you kind of had a window seat here with with your dad's career. What does this appeal to you? Do, doing something like absolutely, that? and um, yeah, I do, and I I try to record on my own. And I try to do stuff, but I'm still very young and still just figuring out how to do that. Um, and I play drums in a band called The Blisters that has been together for eleven years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we put out our first record last summer, but but yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to find my way there as well. So, what kind of advice, Jeff, do you have for Spencer? Uh, your crazy kid, or <laughs> go for it, or somewhere in between? Oh, I, I would never tell anybody they're crazy if doing something they love to do. I mean, why? If my parents were open minded enough to like let me pursue this as something that I was passionate about then why would I why would I steer him away from anything um, my that's really the big, that's, that's the crux of any advice Susie and I have given our children period is is that you know the process the the doing of the thing the thing that you love is that's got to stay the, the the core of it that's got to stay the main reason that you're doing it that's got to be the sustaining part of it all of the other stuff if you're you know, uh, wanting to make a living. I don't know. I just think that music is such a beautiful, sustaining thing. Arts is such a beautiful, sustaining thing to have in your life. Making stuff. I just feel like everything that's happened to me has happened because I was able to, I mean, I was able to do that. I was able to be happy doing that and, and happy with each level that it happened to, uh, happened to get me to. And actually, more the more me trying to adapt to the different levels that the band got to. Like all, we're, we're playing on festival stages now outside. Mm-hmm. This is something I never aspired to do, and and it took a while to learn how to do that. It took a while to learn how to play to a bigger audience. And but it, but the core part of it, you know, was. I felt better. I feel better when I play music. I like writing songs. I disappear when I write songs, and and it's a relief. It's a consolation. It's a sustaining and uh, continuous part of my life that's been I've been very fortunate to have. We we said Sue is here tonight. Your wife, your mom, Spencer, and uh, Sue's been public uh, bravely in writing uh, about her battle with cancer and uh, sharing that with people, and people feel a part of it. How much has the music on Suki Ray been uh, something that, that everybody in the family needed to one degree or another? Well, it's it's really been a, a family project in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of the music was completed, a lot of the lyrics were completed during the last six months, which have been 
probably the worst time in our family's history, uh, going through a diagnostic period that was excruciating, not knowing for months on end what exactly was going on, and then starting treatment for lymphoma. Uh, all these different things were happening simultaneously with, with having this work to do um, that was made more meaningful because of what was going on, at least for me personally. And I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't remember working that hard, but I, I, I finished a double record somehow during <laughs> this whole period. Yeah. And, and I think it was because I, did, I did, was able to disappear into it still. So everybody knows and everybody listening can know that, that for, for what's going on right now with Susie, every, the prognosis is very good and we're very positive and hopeful just so I think that that should be sa- stated so we yeah. don't leave people hanging Absolutely. on that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, yes. she's incredibly brave, incredibly strong, and and we're uh, we're we're looking forward to the to the this all being in our rearview mirror, hopefully soon. Let's hear the song "Honeycombed" from Tweedy live at Lincoln Hall on Sound Opinions.
We've been here live at Lincoln Hall with Tweedy. Thank you so much, guys, for doing this. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Always fun. All right. (laughs) To hear this show again or to watch Tweedy's full set of music, visit us at soundopinions.org. Greg, what's on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we've got a record review bonanza. We're going to review new records by U2, Lucinda Williams, Interpol, and more. Greg, we have some thank yous to say. Special thanks to Adam Yaffe, Andrew Gill, and everyone at Lincoln Hall. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, and Anthony Martinez. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Heather calling from Seacoast, New Hampshire. I wanted to thank you for your edition covering work songs. The Clash, The Jam, all awesome stuff from them. Lou Reed, yes, Flaming Lips, questionable, but okay. But I did notice there was a glaring omission other than Dolly Parton, which was transitional music and you didn't even talk about. There were no women represented in your lineup. One of the things that I noticed was that you were all talking about the way that men worked. And there is a very important way that women work, And that is the daily task of being a mom. And I actually gave birth to my twins um, on Labor Day, ironically enough. So I thought of Kate Bush's um, This Woman's Work, which is all about the perils, the process of becoming a mom, of being a mom, and of realizing the responsibility. takes place with a punch card and a time clock and that is the work that we don't get paid for and it's called a labor of love and for me every day is labor day <laughs> thanks a lot guys keep up the great work hey this is cornelius from philadelphia pennsylvania just listening to your labor day work songs episode I'm a working man myself, and that's the type of music I like. I wanted to recommend um, a fellow called uh, Bob Wayne, who wrote Working Man's Ballad, a working man's song. Good enough for Hank 3 to use in one of his albums. I work outside in the pouring rain when it's cold as ice, when I'm full of pain. It don't matter what I feel inside, long as the job that I'm working gets done on time. The boss man says work's getting Pack up your tools, boys, and head on home. I'll pour another drink and try to understand. These are the struggles of a working man. That sums it up pretty good and should be on your list. Thanks, Club Chef. Hey, this is CJ from Philly. Just heard your show on work songs. Loved it. You played John Lennon's Working Class Hero. The first version of that song that I heard 
was done by Tin Machine, David Bowie's band in the late 80s. a former friend of John Lennon. I think it's the only Lennon song, at least it's the only, only Lennon song I know that he covered. He and his band, they switch it from 3-4 to 4-4. Four, four. They put it with electronic instruments, and they just they play the heck out of it. It's, it's on their first album. If you haven't heard it, you should check it out. Have a good day. Bye. My name's Jerry. I'm calling from Connecticut. I'm 70 years old. When I was about 16, I bought that James Brown album, and to this day, I think it's the best live album ever made. I actually wrote a letter to James Brown at the time, got a response from his manager with a beautiful 8x12 picture of James Brown. I'll never forget it. Thank you. Go, go, go. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.